Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season two of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab, the Nakabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu salam ala rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Nakabi Diaries. Um, Alhamdulillah, today we have a sister with us. Um, Sister, if you could please introduce yourself for us and tell the listeners a little bit about what you do, inshallah. Yes, of course. Bismillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is uh, Hiba Abdurrashid and I was raised in the States, um, in America. Um, specifically in the state um, Minnesota, Minneapolis. Um, in 2014, I went to Kenya to learn Islamic studies. I was very young at the time. I was around um, 15 years old. Um, so I went to Kenya to learn Islamic studies. You know, I was able to fully focus on that after I graduated from high school in 2016. Um, I've attended a ma'ad in Al-Hidayah, um, in Kenya, it's called Al Hidayah, and Alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah, I've graduated my from secondary Islamic studies in 2017. Um, and in 2017, I've started um, uh, focusing on Qur'at, which is um, different types of recitation style in the Quran. And Alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah, I was able to finish um, uh, Riwayah Hafsa, Shu'ba, Qalun under um, my Sheikh, um, Sheikh Abdullah Ismail Al-Maliki in Kenya. Um, and while I was in Kenya, Alhamdulillah, I was able to lead halaqat, summer seminars, and uh, madrasas for four years while I was residing in Kenya. So Alhamdulillah, now that I'm back in the States, I'm focusing on my secular education. And um, I also focus on my Islamic um, education as well, I attend um, the College of Hadith at Islamic University of Minnesota um, in Darul Farooq, and also I do the ten Qur'at in one go with Sheikh um, Sheikh Walid Al Manisi, also located in Darul Farooq. So yes, that's just amazing. Wow, a really a real true inspiration to all of our sisters, regardless of age, but especially the younger sisters, I would say, mashallah, oh, your age, alhamdulillah. It's really admirable. So, um, can you tell our sister about your um, journey to the Naqab, inshallah, at which stage did you start wearing? Obviously, you've been doing a lot of Islamic studies and things like that. Um, what, is it because of your education in Islam, or was there any other reason that you started wearing it? Was it due to family, or how did you come to wear it? Um, I, I, I think it was um, because of the environment that I was in mm-hmm. and, and because of the friends that I had. Um, you know, when I was leaving the States, I had um, no intention of starting Niqab. Um, when I went to Kenya, you know, my, aim, my number one aim of going to Kenya, even as a young age, was um, to focus on my Islamic studies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had um, one goal, which was to become an alima. Um, 
so when I went there, I came across um, a lot of sisters, you know, who either if it was in the masajid or if I go to a halaqat of like sisters in Kenya or um, the ma'ad that I was going to, you know, anywhere that I go to, I would see, you know, majority of sisters over there, they were wearing niqab, mm -hmm. you know, um, they were fully covered. And I remember every single time I used to see them, there would be like this jealousy, you know, it was the type of jealousy, like, you know, I wish she said for you, but I wish I was, you know, my level of Iman reach that level where I'm able to cover my face, my hands, you know, my whole body mm -hmm. and, uh, and Allahumma barik, you know. Um, so at the beginning, I was, you know, just wanting to be like them. You know, the and I just seeing them, then I started, you know, getting the love, um, wanting to wear niqab. Um, so I think it was um, because of the people that I was around. So yes, the Prophet sallallahu he said, al you are upon the religion of your friend. So, you know, the number one reason why I started wearing niqab was because of my friends. Um, because, you know, the way that they used to encourage me, um, will push me towards, you know, uh, the deen. And it, it wasn't, you know, the most um, interesting thing was that they never um, actually said, you know, he will start wearing niqab. But it was kind of, you know, the deen, you know, just being around them, seeing the way they act, you know, the way they carry themselves. So, alhamdulillah. Um, and I remember um, it was the year um, 2016. I um, and it was during Ramadan it was the Ramadan of 2016 and the last 10 days I decided to go um, in itikaf in the Masjid Al-Hidayah and I remember I've came to a final decision and it was around the time when I graduated from my secondary school my high school mm -hmm. so um, you know my biggest um, goal was if I'm gonna start niqab there is no way that I would stop the niqab, you know. Um, I didn't want it to be something like a phase type of thing or um, half-time niqab. I didn't want any of that, you know. I wanted to start just like how I wear my hijab, um, the niqab to go along with it. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was um, when I finished my secondary school, I've decided to go um, in itikaf the last 10 days of Ramadan and I've made to a uh, promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, I said, oh Allah, if, you know, of course, if any sickness comes of and anything from your qadr comes, you know, that is out of my hand. But, you know, oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I ask you to, you know, make me steadfast upon this uh, garment and, um, you know, and because it's an amana, you know, when you're wearing niqab, is an amana. Um, it puts you to a very high standard. Um, so Alhamdulillah, you know, I said, um, I'm not going to leave this masjid when I'm done with my itikaf unless I'm a niqabi. So um, I had a friend, um, her name is, um, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her. She's, um, she's older than me, I think almost by five years, you know. But she was um, the backbone of, you know, just me when I started the da'wah, when I started the niqab. She was my backbone. Her name was um, um, Ayan Aidid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her in this dunya and akhirah. She bought me the first niqab. And, you know, she said, I want every single time you wear niqab um, to, to uh, have the ajr as well, you know. Allah.
So alhamdulillah, you know, it was 2016. And by the way, this week is my fifth anniversary of wearing niqab. So yeah, it's like, this is the perfect time for this um, podcast. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's just amazing. That's amazing, mashallah. It's really, really beautiful. And it's, it just goes to show the, um, you know, the importance of having good friends and good company and, you know, that kind of support network as well. So kind of like, so important. So how about your family? Were they happy for you to be wearing the niqab? Obviously, you're a sister that is educated in the deen and everything. So was it something that they were expecting that, you know, you would naturally transition to? Actually, you know, it came very surprising to my family that I was, you know, I, I decided to become a niqab, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I remember I talked to my mom that week, you know, I was just saying it around her and I said to her, Hoyo, and, you know, basically Hoyo is like a, phrase like as a mom in Somali mm-hmm. and I said to her um you know uh, I want to start niqab you know what do you think of me being a niqabi you know and she said to me um you know it's up to you, you can start but I don't want you to be off and on and you know th- that was one of the biggest thing in Kenya mm-hmm. you know it's very comfortable wearing niqab in Kenya because everyone is wearing it mm-hmm. but most of the time um, the biggest reason will be they're wearing it because they don't want the dust to be on their face. You know, they're just ha- like kind of pass by, you know. Um, so my mom was like, okay, I want you to start wearing niqab if you want to wear it um, permanently. But I don't want you, you know, playing up and on because this is um, an, uh, is an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I don't think you should play around with it. Mm-hmm. So alhamdulillah, you know, my mom um she is very supportive um she was very supportive and she's still very supportive you know is if it's my niqab my da'wah you know um wallahi and from a young age you know the time the um even the times when in me i didn't really had that love for like da'wah i was just a little kid um she you know she worked hard with me when it's um when I was you know memorizing the Quran um when I went to my first madrasa um uh, when I decided to start the da'wah um you know fully focused on it committed to it and I started wearing niqab um until now you know and yeah I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit emotional because and I haven't seen my mom for almost two years because she's in Kenya and I came back to the state. Yeah, so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect her. You know, she always been my backbone. Alhamdulillah, that's amazing, that's beautiful to hear as well. SubhanAllah. So um, as, as a new Nihabi in Kenya, okay, when you first started wearing it, because you mentioned that it's easy to wear, because other people, you know, a lot of your community that was wearing it. Um, but yeah. I want to ask you, obviously, from the practical side, because obviously pe- there's people who could be listening and they live in, you know, Western countries and things like that. And Africa is, you know, everybody knows Africa's pretty hot place. So, um, you know, how did you find from a practical element, how was it wearing the niqab in heat and all this kind of thing and the weather and stuff like that? You know, it was it was very challenging. Mm-hmm. It was very challenging, you know. Um, I remember first time I started wearing it. Um, I came to class, you know. I um, we were on a break, and I came to class, and I was very excited for it, you know. Um, and then I remember when I stepped out of the house with first time as a niqabi outside, you know, walking outside. And it the thing about me was I've never 
ever tried wearing you know how some people they do um oh i'm gonna do like one week trials see how it goes mm -hmm. you know i I, I, I've, I've, I've never done that. I, n I never went to a trial saying maybe you should try a week, maybe you should try a month. And it was because the respect that I had for niqab. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did not want to try it out. The day that I want to put it on will be the day that, you know, I fully decide to be a niqabi. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go back and forth with a niqab. You know, I, I, in my eyes, it was very honorable and it was something that to not be tried out is um, determination that you make and you stay with it, you know, in, 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 you know, with me, like in my picture, that that's the type of picture that I had for Niqab. So I, I remember um, the heat, uh, you know, kind of came, <laughs> hit me in the face. And I was walking to the madrasa, to the ma'ad, and every step that I take, um, it was just getting harder to breathe because now I used to freely, you know, kind of every time you breathe, it kind of, you know, there's nothing blocking you, you yeah, know, sure. right now I, I feel like something was blocking me. And I remember I was kind of breathing hard, you know, um, just in and out, in and out. And it was just very hard. And when I were going to the mad, you have to climb up the stairs and I had to climb up the stairs. Uh, um, I, I was just having a hard time to breathe. And, I remember there was a time I said, Hebo, is this worth it, you know? Um, because the niqab is sunnah. Isn't that wajib? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's sunnah mu'akadah. Um, when you start, you know, you, you can't just be playing back and forth with it. But in the end of the day, it's sunnah. You know, no one is forcing you to start. Is it worth it, you know? So, you know, at the time, I, I did have a little health condition, and I was recommended to not wear it. Um, and, you know, it, it was just getting hard. Um, physically, it was getting hard, you know. But alhamdulillah, mentally and spiritually, I was strong. And I think that's one thing that kept me going. Um, and, you know, I kind of sat down. Um, and that's one thing that helps me. You know, I'm those type of people. If things go hard, I will, you know, I become the teacher and the student for myself. I kind of encourage it, encourage myself. You know, and I, I started asking myself, no, Hebo, what if this happens? And I answer myself, no, this is the solution for, you know? Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, he was determined. Um, and Alhamdulillah, you know, that kind of gets me through things. Um, you know, yeah, I, I tend to discipline myself when things go hard. Um, so um, what I did was, you know, I did talk to myself and I, I, I wrote down all the problems, you know, and of why. I should take off the niqab or why I should just give up and it's not worth it. And I kind of read through them and I was reading over and over, over the reasons why I should stop wearing niqab for like 20 minutes. And when I looked through them, none of them really um, were that serious um, reasons why I should stop. It was just my, uh, my nafs and the shaitan, you know, kind of making small things a big deal, right? Shaitan. And then I said, he, will, he is bothering you um if um the dust is bothering you um if you know kind of walking you get tired you get breathless if that's what is bothering you then just remember uh, you know if the heat is too hot then the nar is hard you know remember some people cannot even walk some people cannot even leave um their bed alhamdulillah that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you the strength and you know i remember one time a person that was um uh, very close to me came up to me and they said to me um when i started wearing niqab they said to me he will you will never get married because oh, how yeah. will a guy yeah how how will a guy how will a guy 
you know, um, see you. He can't see your face. He can't see your beauty. He doesn't know if you're beautiful and ugly. Um, you're you're basically closing the market from yourself. You know. Subhanallah. And that became the highlight of it. You know, as like um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has um, the Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You know, has my qadr in his hand. You know. And I will meet the right person if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills it. If not, then, you know, it was all in the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, subhanAllah. I mean, I love, there's something really beautiful that um, Sister Nadira, she said when it came to this subject. And she said, you know, subhanAllah, we are, we're doing this for the sake of Allah. And, you know, the one, you know, Allah is the one, He's he has control of all the hearts. So he's the one that, subhanAllah, yeah. if you're doing something for the sake of Allah and you want to get married, and you know he will he will put the right person in your way to get married to, to them. It's as simple as that. You don't need to remove your card your your niqab in order to find a spouse or husband. Subhanallah. So yeah. definitely, definitely, you don't. You know, you don't. You know, if you trust in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will make the impossible possible. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Woman yatawakkal ala Allah, fahuwa hasbu." You know, whoever relies on Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah is enough for him. You know. Um, and yes, definitely, we're doing this for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You know, we want uh, we want Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to be pleased with us. We want Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to be happy with us. You know, um, so if we're doing this for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and Allah knows, and Allah knows what is in your heart, um, then of course Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will make things a way for you, and He will make things that are impossible possible. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will bring the right person in your life you know alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so sister you was you started wearing yeah. a niqab in kenya and then you've gone back to america since then so how was your experience traveling with the niqab yes um you know i was um personally i was kind of scared at, at the beginning mm-hmm. um uh because of i guess what people said you know um because this time I haven't traveled for like almost five years, right? Yeah. And I've started wearing niqab in Kenya, which is very easy. Everyone is wearing it. You're not, you know, the one that is just, you know, the outsider of everyone. You know, everyone is wear, everyone is wearing niqab basically. Um, and I was transferring to an environment which is hostile towards you if you're just a hijabi. Mm-hmm. You know, niqab hobby is a another level yeah um and you know i i remember family members telling me um you're gonna have problem at the airport you're gonna have a problem um when they're kind of screening you when they need to see your passport um you will with them um maybe you should take off the niqab you know alhamdulillah you've been wearing it for a couple of years for almost three years um you should take off the niqab hebo um and i prayed uh, two rakats, you know, the, the night that I was leaving. And I, you know, I said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, oh Allah, um, I'm doing this for your sake. You know, I'm, I started wearing niqab for your sake, oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, the same Allah that's in Kenya is in America. Yes. Yeah, it's in while I'm in the air, in the airport. Um uh, so Allah be by my side you know I want to do this for your sake mm-hmm. I do not want to take um, this ayah um, away from my face oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be by my side 
and wallahi alhamdulillah when i went to the airport i think i did had kind of a little problem um in kenya and um it's mostly because um uh kenya they kind of go with bribe you know so um i told them that i need i need yeah i need a female to see my face um i have no problem with you guys you know because they have to look at the passport and also they have to look at your face yeah so i said i don't have problem with that but i need a female to um to look at my face and also my passport mm-hmm. um but alhamdulillah when i did pass that phase um um i was scared that when i get to chicago because i was going to chicago from chicago to minneapolis mm-hmm. um alhamdulillah i had no problem and um i think one of the biggest reason was because um I, I read my atkar alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah you know i read my atkar and i was traveling alone at the time mm-hmm. uh my mom couldn't come with me and uh my younger because she had to stay with my younger siblings so it was just me traveling you know it was just me and i was wearing a full niqab mm-hmm. and so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah you know i did had of course i have i had people looking at me giving you sideways look um some people didn't make a comment um i remember when i was in the bathroom there was um a white lady she kind of like um while she was walking by me she like shoved her shoulder into mine subhanallah and she said go back to where you came from. yeah and then you know i'm and i'm i'm kind of small in size <laughs> so i like my back kind of hit the wall alhamdulillah alhamdulillah i um all in well alhamdulillah you know i did not have a big deal and i was expecting all that you know i i kind of mentally prepared for it so alhamdulillah subhanallah so so apart from that um incident have you ever faced any other kind of physical abuse as well for when the niqab and uh no alhamdulillah no i did face um um remarks but alhamdulillah alhamdulillah i did not face any physical abuse alhamdulillah and so on that note would you describe the niqab as being a barrier um actually no i think is an opportunity alhamdulillah an opportunity and the reason why i say that mm-hmm. an opportunity um and the reason why i say that you know is um you know uh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know whenever uh, you know as as muslims we see um not let me not say as as muslims um the modern muslims or um the you know the muslims that are kind of um run after um the image of western like the westernized image mm-hmm. um they think um if you have your beard out if you have your niqab if you have your uh thobe on um there will be a barrier you won't be able to work at the corporate jobs mm-hmm. you won't be able to get um really nice opportunities you won't be able to get so and so on because of your appearance you know um but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um you know the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said you know when you run to the world you know when you run to the dunya when you run after the dunya um the dunya tends to run away from you mm-hmm. right yeah. um you will run after the dunya till you reach your grave yeah, so but yeah. the moment that you decide to leave the dunya alone and you run after the deen 
you run after your religion, then you will see everything in this dunya will be running after you. You will have all the dunya in your hand and the deen in your heart. So I believe that wearing a qab, being fully covered, you know, alhamdulillah, I have the opportunity in the akhirah and the dunya. Alhamdulillah. Because I have my akhirah with me and also I have my dunya. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing fine. And I did not throw down my niqab, nor did I throw down my hijab. So yes, it's an opportunity. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Um, so would you say that in your experience, and this is from two angles now, so I'm going to ask you, would you say that sisters who wear the hijab get treated differently from sisters who wear the niqab? And that's from the perspective of Muslims and non-Muslims. And if so, what is the kind of difference that you've seen? Okay, um, so let me start with the perspective of Muslims. Mm -hmm. um, they might be sl uh, sl slightly treated differently because when you're wearing niqab, you're holding a very big standard. You know, you, everyone puts you in a higher standard. Um, that wallahi, um, you know, like the community that I'm in right now, um, or the friend group that I'm in right now, alhamdulillah, um, they're all hijabis, but I, I don't have a friend that is a niqabi in the States. Okay. And they put me in a standard that I do not deserve, a very high standard, uh, because of what I appear to be, mm -hmm. you know. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make me of what they think of me. Um, so yes, um, you know, when you're wearing niqab, everyone puts you in a very high standard because you're carrying an ayah, you're, um, you know, basically you're carrying an amanah. That's why this is what I always call an amanah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, he gave you this opportunity to use it wisely um, because you have Islam in your hand. So you need to make sure that you protect that picture, that you have the adab, that you have the adequate, the virtues, the, um, the manners of a person of deen you know yeah. and wallahi is a very big amana um that i personally um i try every day to reach that level but um i i'm nowhere close to that level so yes um when it comes to um uh, niqab um people tend to look at you um very differently um they see you as a person that's religious a person that is practicing they put you in a very high standard and you have to race, always race with that standard. And that was one of the main reasons why I started Naqab to always put me uh, back to my place. You know, mm -hmm. if I, you know, uh, um, go to another lane, it always brings me back. like um, Hebo, you know, this is not the amana mm -hmm. that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trusted you with. This is the amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trusted you with come back to the lane you know when i talk in a certain way when i hang out with certain people when i you know maybe say something do something that is not of my standard i always say um this is not what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala interested you with you know um so uh you know hijabis um uh, mashallah tabarakallah you know is there is very well known um um they're they do have their standard, but people tend to look at the niqabis 
very carefully you know every action that you take everything that you do you have that man with you that you need to protect the people expect you to um, reach that man um, um, unlike the hijabis you know yes subhanallah that's so true actually but as well um, so i'll just ask you another quick question like in with that yeah do you feel that um you know because it's quite challenging actually when you when when you have this um you know when the community kind of puts you on this pedestal almost as well because i don't know about you but personally mate i feel like uh, you know i know in islam we're always supposed to be renewing our intentions as well so do you feel that like one of the yeah. challenges would you say that in your experience as well like one of the challenges is always keeping your intention pure like with wearing the naqab itself because you know obviously like being a naqabi you wear the naqab for the sake of allah but then when there's like you know people kind of looking at you like oh you know i mean you're up there kind of thing even though like you don't feel like that you, you know we, we don't we don't want people to like see us in that kind of way do you feel that you know it kind of makes it more challenging in like keeping your intentions pure it it does it does it's very challenging because um you know maybe you go to a certain place or um you did a seminar you did a halaqat or you gave a little talk or you know you met with some individuals um or some friends and you know they make comments you know um uh, oh mashallah you know um look at this sister um uh look at her clothes the way she wears she, the way she conducts herself you know all that talk and all that you know them just um fantasizing about um what you do how, how you know how you conduct yourself your niqab um the way uh, about your modesty and in a way it kind of the shaitan you know one thing one of his tactics is um he comes at you and he says oh you're doing just perfectly fine you know there's nothing to change you're perfect you know people are saying all these things about you you know whom shuhada allah they're a witness of allah um what they're saying about you is true you know shaitan he used different tactics and that is one of his tactics so of course every single day i have to renew my uh niya. Yeah. why did i start doing this what was the reason you know always going back to the why i did it and i always what i I do is I sit down and I try to put myself back when I was 16 years old and I was so in love with niqab and when I was 17 years old the first day that I put on the niqab the feeling that I had in my heart I always try to go back to that feeling because that feeling was the main reason where my why came from yes. to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's so important you know because I feel like when we when we take ourselves back that helps us to you know it's like you kind of yeah it's, it's a good way to help to, to renew your intention again as well subhanallah because i, rem I remember listening to uh, a lecture by uh, uh sheikh ali tamimi and he was saying like he was talking about riyah you know showing off yeah and he said that sometimes you know people you know they do things to, like in order to impress the people around them and then yeah. sometimes the riya it can also be not doing something because you feel that you know you you're worried about people what they're going to say that oh you know they you know they're going to say think good things about you so maybe because of you know, they're going to say something good and you don't want them to say that you decide you're not going to do something that you should be doing for the sake of allah 
you know so then it's like another form of the real right. which is kind of like the opposite where you lose out on getting rewards because you just yes, don't yes. want people to have this kind of opinion of you so it is it's a really fine line and it's subhanallah so difficult to kind of just keep you know in the middle right. of those those two things you don't want to do something for the sake of showing off for the people and at the same time you don't want to stop doing something because people are keep pushing this kind of you know over exaggerated yeah. views about you know who you are you know because we all have our own you know mistakes and sins that we do subhanallah that that also goes back you know you sh everything you do according to the deen or the da'wah you should do it just for the sake of allah yeah. if you are starting something for the sake of allah do only for the sake of allah solely for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not for others and if you want to stop doing something and you don't want to do it anymore do it for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah. not for others exactly i what i usually try to do is like you know when kind of these challenges come up i try to think to myself well if nobody was there or if you know if those people wouldn't make a comment yeah. you know then would i still do this thing you know and, and like that's what i try to think about yeah. it like that like it is is my decision of doing something is it because you know is it anything to do with people would i do it because they're there or because whether they're there whether they're not there so i try to always think about it like that as well to help to you know get those kind of thoughts out of my mind sure. so sister would um, that's, that's actually very beneficial yeah alhamdulillah alhamdulillah what about um as well back to the original question that i had to ask you as well um about the differences between how the okay. and nakabis get treated so now from the um, non-muslim perspective inshallah if you can give your thoughts on that the non-muslim um you know i think um with the non-muslims we're all the same as long as we're wearing the garment for the hijab um they what they what they put us in this spectrum of um if the more modest you are, the more oppressed you are. Yes, you know, with the non-Muslims, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, if you're more modest, you know, if your face is covered, your hand is covered, mm -hmm. from head to toe, you're covered. Um, in their spectrum, you're oppressed. You, um, you are more oppressed. Uh, if you're if you're wearing hijab, you're wearing solely because your husband, your father, your brother, mm -hmm. so on and so forth, forced you to it, you know. Um, um, you know, their ideology is very simple, you know, in the way they think. Um, and I don't blame them, to be honest. And the reason why I don't do that is, um, uh, is the media, Yes. you know. Um, the way it, it, it portrays us, you know, it portrays us... Um, you know, they put us in like three different categories. Either we're violent or we're being oppressed, mm. um, you know, or we're savages, you know. Mm. Um, so, subhanAllah, when it comes to women, wallahi, they they have put, you know, these people, they're very smart, you know, and uh, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, uh, like um, people with no knowledge or don't have any sense of anything that's going on around them. They're, they're very smart and they know what they're doing. Um, the reason why um, they focus on women so much, you know, that they've created um, feminism, um, uh, you know, women's right, um, you know, calling the sisters who are dressed up for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oppressed by the male figures in their life is because they know that a woman 
is the asal, is the base of a family. Of course. Right? And if a woman, you know, she's on the straight path, she, um, you know, she is very stable, then that family is going to be very stable. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so they focus on that. You know, they try to bring out that, you know, feminism in a woman saying you should do this you and the men are equal um you should um go out just like how he does you know work hard um do so and so, so on um you know kind of compete with men um and you know when it comes to like a woman you know kind of doing her own thing being um an individual person there's nothing wrong with that in the deen because um, our mother Khadija radiallahu anha she was a businesswoman yeah. and how she met with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was working for her mm -hmm. and she decided to marry the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because he was very uh, trustworthy and he was an honest person she has um, rejected a lot of men before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who asked her hand in marriage mm -hmm. till she met with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and she saw his honesty, his trustworthy um, that's, and then she asked for his hand right? Mm -hmm. so being a business independent woman mashallah is recommended in the deen you know um, the, Allah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said um, a mu'min who is, you know, a qawi, who is um, very strong, very independent, is more better and more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the one that who is weak. But that does not necessarily mean that you pass the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Yes, of course. Um, you know, you know, saying me and the men are equal, this, that, you know, because alhamdulillah, our deen has already made boundaries for us. Just don't pass that boundaries. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not make the religion hard on you. But at the same time, there are boundaries that you should not pass, that you shouldn't trigger, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so yes, as I was saying, that's the, their main aim that they attack, you know? Um, they go for the woman rights, you know, not knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already gave us rights um, um, 1,400 years ago. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Okay. You know, um, he, he, you know, he made um, Jannah at your feet when your mother, when your daughter, um, because of, um, in, um, uh, he, he raises you according to the deen, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them in Jannah, right? Yeah. Um, and if your mother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give you like um, three rights over the father um, when your mother, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us rights, you know, if, if I sit down and talk about it the whole day, you know, it, it probably would take hours alhamdulillah so um, when it comes to like the um, non-muslims so it's very kind of clear because um, they see us as the more modest you are the more oppressed you are you know and the only way to kind of overcome that is with knowledge you know um, and Allah barik like this podcast and you know um, to kind of you know talk about a woman's perspective of um, why she was niqab, why she wore hijab, you know, to kind of overcome that with um, knowledge, because the reason why they're doing this is ignorant. And the one thing that um, that um, the strongest um, ignorant is knowledge. Yeah, alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. It's, it's so important. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, I, that's why I really admire, sister, the fact you 
um, who have gone for that Islamic knowledge, especially from a young age. And obviously it, it can be done at any age. So it's not somebody for somebody to excuse themselves from it, but it's so important for the Muslim women to have that knowledge of the religion, especially because that's where we're being attacked from the aspect of our deen, not from, you know, secular knowledge and education, because a lot of us get that, you know, some countries, yes, there may be issues with people getting education, but usually it's due to poverty more than anything else, I think, anyways, because even some of the men in those countries don't get education, you know, so it's something where, you know, especially living in the West, most of the time we are focused on the Western education instead of the Islamic education. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, subhanAllah. So, um, a sister, can I ask you as well, have you ever met any sisters in your time yeah. that have been forced into wearing the niqab? Um, being forced into niqab, uh, no, no, I didn't. Um, Alhamdulillah. I didn't, but I did uh, meet some um, girls who um, their family has refused um, them wearing niqab. Um, and it was just solely because um, they said, um, you know, you won't have uh, better opportunities. Um, this uh, everything is going to be hard on you. You're living you're living um, in a country where um, people are not very nice to someone that is fully kind of modest, you know, so on and so forth, you know, yeah. and subhanAllah, you know, they have forgotten that, you know, everything is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever does something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make way for him. So, yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. You know, I, I've never, you know, came upon that per personally, but I did see some sisters. Um, actually, a sister, I only see that once, um, you know, suffer from that. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for her. And um, what advice would you give to those sisters who are thinking about when the niqab, like just like you was one time as well, like, but they feel like they, they feel like they don't have the confidence to wear it? What kind of advice would you give them? You know, the um, n number one reason is uh, purify your intention, mm. right? Uh, the Prophet ﷺ said, al-amalu You know, every action that you do you know is based upon your intention why you want to start this you know the uh, what we talked about last time you know the why yeah you know and i think that's like the number one reason why do you want to do this why do you want to start niqab you know why do you not want to just be a hijabi right what will this um cloud bring in your life you know mm -hmm. um what will you change in your life when you start wearing this right um what's the long term you know first just ask yourself the hard questions that no, you know no one wants to ask you know right and i think that's like the the challenging part because when things go hard then you go back to why and i recommend you to kind of write it down and put it somewhere so when things go hard and you don't want to continue anymore go back to that paper and write it down you know um and you know when you have when you have the intention and you know you um and your intention is very pure then i would recommend pray suratul istikhara mm -hmm. right if it's khair for you or you know either way um it is khair but if it's the right time or not the right time you know um you should pray istikhara that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows you the right way 
okay. you know, or the right time. Um, and then secondly is, you know, if she is um, like, if that individual is a family person, like, for example, you live with your parents, mm -hmm. um, you know, sit down and, you know, um, get advice from your parents, you know, and I think that will help with any conflicts in the future, right? Instead of popping out of nowhere and, you know, saying, oh, I want to be an Aqabi so that you can be on the safe side, mm -hmm. you know, you know, make sure that you sit down and have that conversation with your family before you start. And if you're uh, a wife, you know, sit down and have that conversation with your husband. Yeah, subhanAllah. Definitely. Um, yeah, and alhamdulillah, when all that, you know, three points are set, you know, your intention is pure, you have your wise ready, um, and, you know, you have your whys and why do you want to do this? Why do you want to start this? What will change in your life? How, how will you change? You know, like, what, why, how, uh, you know, when you have all that covered. And then the second one is praying istikhara. Mm -hmm. When your istikhara is set, you sit down with uh, the, the person that is, you know, uh, your wali, you know, the person that is responsible of you. Yeah. And, you know, having that conversation with them, then say bismillah and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for you wearing that crown. SubhanAllah. Mm -hmm. So um, at the moment, sister, you, you mentioned that you're studying. Um, are you doing any work as well? Are you working at all at the moment? Uh, yes, uh, um, I do work. Um, so I do different work. Um, one is more of, um, uh, I'm a Quran teacher. Okay, mashallah. Um, and I also teach um, Islamic studies in Marqa. Um, it's called uh, Bidaya Institute, and um, so it's basically taught by sisters, mm -hmm. two sisters. Um, and I also um, uh, work at um, an office job, um, a place for, that's like for the adult day center. So Alhamdulillah. An adult day center? Yeah. What, what is that? So basically is um, a place where like the seniors, there is a center that's for the seniors. They come um, um, and it's usually for the seniors that live by themselves. Right, uh, like a social. Yeah, yeah, so they don't, you know, they don't have uh, really like a family member that can yeah. take them to a walk. So the center kind of has a place for them to exercise, you know, a place for mm -hmm. them to read the Quran. And it is a center that's owned by Muslim people. And, you know, the uh -huh. seniors that do come in, they're all Muslims, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, so, you know, there uh, um, we have teachers that kind of, you know, teach them Quran, the atkar, the atahiyat, they have, you know, kind of their exercising place, they have their lunch, breakfast. So it's kind of like a daycare, but for, for like the adults. Wow, subhanAllah, that sounds pretty amazing. And so you've really yeah. got a good Islamic community there as well, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And I think that was, uh, that was my biggest aim, you know, both, um, when it comes to my um, a, a career, even though the, the job that I'm working right now um, is not my ultimate career. Right now, I'm studying um, business um, management and administration. Mm -hmm. And inshallah, hopefully, um, uh, when I do graduate, um, I'm planning to, you know, start off my, my uh, career for, inshallah, um, clothing line, inshallah. 
Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for me. Amen. But, um, yeah, so that is the big goal, inshallah. But for now, alhamdulillah, you know, I am working in both sides in a very um, Islamic strong field. That's amazing. Really, really nice. Alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. So um, finally, sister, um, what does the naqab mean to you? What it means to me is that it is a source of um, a protection for me. You know, um, of course, it protects you from, you know, the eyes of the, the, the unwanted eyes. Um, it also protects your religion. You know, it, it puts you in that very high standard where you are, you know, where it, personally, it puts me, you know, back to my lane, you know, yeah. uh, you know, every time, you know, I, uh, um, my, because I am a human being and I might slip here and there and, you know, it kind of puts you back to your lane, you know, it makes you stand up, you know, back to your lane because it's an amana, which kind of brings me back to. Um, the second point in Amana um, is was an opportunity, a tawfiq that was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And um, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for me. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with that opportunity, that tawfiq, then is an Amana upon me to protect that um, um promise that I made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, to be a walking ayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and lastly is opportunity for me, um, because, you know, when you have the duni, when you have the deen in your heart, the deen, wallahi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring all the dunya in your hand, right? Um, uh, you will have the dunya running after you, mm -hmm. you know, because when you run after dunya, you will be never able to catch the dunya until you reach your grave, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the, the Prophet Sallallahu said mm -hmm. the only thing that can fill, um, you know, the human stomach is soil, the moment that they're put mm -hmm. in the grave. Mm -hmm. You know, um, every single time you run after the dunya, you will never be able to catch the dunya. You will never able to reach what you are running after till you reach the grave. But the moment that you decide to run after Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala to please Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala to go back studying the words of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala the Quran to, you know to go back and study the religion of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala Islamic studies you know you run back to the deen wallah you will see the dunya in your hand you know I remember first time starting the niqab you know people saying you won't get the opportunities in life you won't get a good job people won't take you seriously you won't be able to find a good spouse um, so on and so forth, you know, just a lot of irrelevant reasons. And, you know, I put all that out aside because I believe all that just was a source of, you know, a source from dunya. Yes. And I've decided to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the reason why I've started the niqab, the main reason was pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're right. I did not start from anyone else, nor a family member. Subhanallah. Ta'ala. And I've noticed the moment that when I focus all that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything else that people were worried about, everything else, even sometimes my nafs was worried about because there's a time that, you know, I will have like little shak here and there. Mm. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them right to my feet. Mm. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah.
Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah sister. Thank you so much for joining me today for this interview and being patient as well with me and my shady internet connection. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, sis. Thank you for having me. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.